What is cancel culture? And how do we cancel cancel culture? Find out on this episode of Pushback. Concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Johnny, and thank you for tuning in to push back again this week. We have to—I have to hit the ground running because we have a lot to cover here on this episode. Uh, we're going to be talking about cancel culture, which became a popular buzzword uh, over, the, over the last several months, for sure, but became back to the forefront after President Trump made his 4th of July speech at Mount Rushmore. I'm going to get back to that, but first I have to share this one thing that makes me very happy. Uh, I found a, stumbled on a clip by actually Morgan Freeman, of all people. Um, I certainly don't agree with everything Morgan Freeman stands for, uh, but on this particular topic, we agree completely. So I'm going to try to play a clip for you and hear what he has to say about race relationships and going back to my Brown initiative that I shared several weeks back. So listen to this clip of being interviewed uh, by Mike Wallace on uh, 60 Minutes. Black History Month you find ridiculous. Why? You're going to relegate my history to a month? Oh, come on. What do you do with yours? Which month is White History Month? I'm Jewish. Okay, which I'm month is Jewish History Month? Uh, there isn't one. Oh, oh, why not? Yeah. Do you want one? No, no, no. I, 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 I don't either. I don't want a Black History Month. Black history is American history. How are we going to get rid of racism? And stop talking about it. I'm going to stop calling you a white man. Yeah. And I'm going to ask you to stop calling me a black man. And there it is. Does that sound familiar to you at all? It's what I've been uh, talking about with my Brown initiative that I shared uh, about a month ago. In light of all of the racial tension that has been happening in this country, and my call has been for a biblical and scientific viewpoint on this, which says that we are all one race. We're all just different shades of brown. And it's actually destructive, as Morgan Freeman said, for me to call somebody a black man or for them to call me a white man. It's not accurate, first of all, but it's creating this continuous conversation of division. It's interesting, as I found that clip on YouTube, obviously it made me smile because I agree with it 100%, but I, as you look at the responses underneath, everybody's like, yes, why, why hasn't this been said before? Uh, I wish this clip would go viral. Well, here is my call. Let's let this go viral. This is the conversation. This is about changing the conversation about race, where there is no race just the human race. I love how he said that black history is American history because he sees himself as an American, not the artificial labels that we place on people that are inaccurate and divisive. So on the 4th of July, President Trump made a speech 
that I thought was extremely profound. It, it, it brought forth the conversation that needed to take place about culture. You know how I feel about the word culture. This whole podcast uh, revolves around, it is centered on culture. And his speech, I believe, was an affront to those that would want to bring a destructive culture to what has been the longest standing, most powerful and effective democracy in the history of the world. So I, rather than try to paraphrase what he said, I'm going to just read the transcript of what he said, not in its entirety, but at the salient points about the discussion today. So this, was, this took place at Mount Rushmore on the 4th of July. And President Trump said, There could be no better place to celebrate America's independence than beneath this magnificent, incredible, majestic mountain and monument to the greatest Americans who have ever lived. Today we pay tribute to the exceptional lives and extraordinary legacies of George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Abraham Lincoln, and Teddy Roosevelt. I am here as your president to proclaim before the country and before the world, this monument will never be desecrated, and these heroes will never be defamed, their legacy will never uh, be destroyed, and their achievements will never be forgotten. And Mount Rushmore will stand forever as an eternal tribute to our forefathers and to our freedom. Our nation is witnessing a merciless campaign to wipe out our history, defame our heroes, erase our values, and indoctrinate our children. Angry mobs are tearing down statues of our founders, deface our most sacred memorials, and unleash a wave of violent crime in our cities. Many of these people have no idea why they are doing this, but some know what they are doing. They think the American people are weak and soft and submissive. But no, the American people are strong and proud, and they will not allow our country and all of its values, history, and culture to be taken from them. I love this word culture, and he is saying there is an affront on the stability and the history of our culture, which is so important. You know, when I heard about statues being torn down and and Christopher Columbus being being removed and violence in these cities, I actually sat down with my children and I polled them. I asked them a question. Based on what we know about Christopher Columbus, which he was a brave explorer, he discovered our land, he uh, set out where no man had gone before, but he also had his problems and his treatment of indigenous people was abhorrent. Based on what we know, would you be in favor of taking down his statue? And I pushed them further. What about Robert E. Lee, a fairly remarkable, incredible military leader, full of integrity? However, as one of my sons pointed out, he committed treason. And he defended the side of the war that supported slavery. Based on what we know, would you take down that statue? And we can go on down the line. What about the the heads that are displayed at Mount Rushmore? Our founding fathers and our leaders weren't sinless people. They weren't perfect people. And I would go so far to say that none of us have been. Everyone who has walked this planet other than one man 
has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And if you take any person and dissect their behavior and the words that they spoke and the things that are in their hearts, I don't think any of us would be worthy of a monument. However, there have been moments and there have been places in history where these men have done greatness, where they have led, where they have sacrificed, and we are to honor those. So I asked my children, I said, would you take down the statues? Would you be in favor of that? And one of my daughters said, it depends on what we are remembering. And I thought that was such a great, profound answer because it relates back to my message about honor. I believe it was my podcast episode number three, which comes first, honor or anger. I talked about honor and that honor doesn't mean agreement. We can honor someone and not necessarily even agree what they stood for or agree that the platform or some things that they have said or even their lifestyle. But we can honor them for their service and their sacrifice and the place of authority that they've been placed into, especially in a democracy. So she said, it depends on what we are honoring. If Christopher Columbus is standing up there and he is honored and we have him up there to honor bigotry or Robert E. Lee, if he's there because we are fans of treason or violence, then no, I don't believe that statue is something that defends or represents us as a community or as a nation. But is it possible to honor Christopher Columbus as an explorer, as someone who exercised bravery and leadership? Is it possible to recognize Robert E. Lee's military prowess? The way that he actually handled the end of the Civil War was with incredible amount of integrity. And the way that he defended his home state of Virginia. I think those things can be honored and even if I can be so bold, remembered. See, I believe we can also look at a statue of Christopher Columbus and we can remember some of the things that he did, some of the, the historical world-changing events and, and parts that he was involved in, and we can actually remember some of the things that were abhorrent so that we don't repeat them. We need to keep history accurate and in the front of our mind. And we can honor those who served our country. See, it's history. With all of its warts and its unpleasantries, America is full of history. And it's still our history. And it should be remembered. Even going back to what Morgan Freeman said. He said, black history is American history. It's not part, slavery is not part of American history that I'm proud of or would ever want to repeat or emulate or, or lift up or try to defend. But it's part of our history. And I believe that we should talk about it and we should remember it so that we don't repeat it. See, we can take any leader and we can pull out or try to dissect something that we don't agree with or that somebody doesn't agree with. And this is the part of the cultural conversation of this podcast that I believe is so important and dangerous. Is that just a small handful of a group of people doesn't like what you have to say, that you have the right to cancel them. For instance, Martin Luther King, John F. Kennedy, 
They were adulterers. They were known adulterers. You know what? Adultery brings an outrage in me. I'm not going to lie. So because of that, should I cancel everything that Martin Luther King stood for? Should I cancel everything that he did and sacrificed for our country? The words that he spoke, the healing that he brought to our country because of his behavior? I believe that it's okay to talk about it. I think it's okay to learn from it. But I refuse to cancel Martin Luther King because something that he did outraged me. See, that's called cancel culture. And Donald Trump brought this up. President Trump brought this up at this speech. And this is what he said. I'm going to continue. One of their political weapons is cancel culture. Driving people from their jobs, shaming dissenters, and demanding total submission from anyone who disagrees. This is the very definition of totalitarianism, and it is completely alien to our culture and to our values, and it has absolutely no place in the United States of America. That's a strong, bold sentence, but in the center of that sentence is the word culture. What he is saying is the idea that we can silence somebody from their First Amendment right to free speech and to cancel them, to have them lose their jobs, to run them out from any type of of public square is countercultural to what the Founding Fathers created for us and for our country from from its founding. He goes on to say, in our schools, our newsrooms, even our corporate boardrooms, there is a new far-left fascism that demands absolute allegiance. If you do not speak its language, perform its rituals, recite its mantras, and follow its commandments, then you will be censored, banished, blacklisted, persecuted, and punished. It's not going to happen to us. He goes on to say, no movement that seeks to dismantle these treasured American legacies can possibly have a love of America at its heart. Can't happen. No person who remains quiet at the destruction of this resplendent heritage can possibly lead us to a better future. The radical ideology attacking our country advances under the banner of social justice. But in truth, It would demolish both justice and society. It would transform justice into an instrument of division and vengeance. And it would turn our free and inclusive society into a place of repression, domination, and exclusion. They want to silence us, but we will not be silenced. I believe the key to this phraseology is the word us. They want to silence us, but we will not be silenced. Who's the us? Is it Republicans? Is it right-wingers? Is it the conservatives? No, us is all Americans. All Americans. And the First Amendment right to free speech. It's why I sit here every week unafraid of being removed, arrested. I have... People fought and died for my right to sit here in front of this microphone and share my heart with you. 
freedom doesn't always mean freedom to get to do whatever you want to do. And there are limitations and there should be, there should be constraints to what we hear and what our children hear. But it is our first amendment right to share our hearts and even bring dissension to even what a few people believe or are offended by. It doesn't mean that you have to agree with what is said. It doesn't mean you even have to like it, but it means that you have the freedom to say it and you have the freedom to not listen to it. (laughs) This is what I love about our country. I love the fact that I have freedom to share. I love the fact that we can have disruption and, and pain, even in racial relationships in our nation, even though there are no races. <laughs> but that we can talk about it, that we can come to the table. Rather than loot and ride into the street, we can actually discuss how to make us better. You know, I, I, I shared with you and I, I vowed at the beginning of doing these podcasts that I would listen to both sides. And I've been doing the best I can, especially when we've been talking about, about race and, and the, the, what happened with George Floyd and, and, and the things that have been happening in our community and our culture. And so I even listened to Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> so I'm just showing you my commitment. But what she said is something that I can agree with. One thing she said. (laughs) She said, at the end of the day, we are citizens and we are Americans and we all want to make our country better. And Whoopi Goldberg, if you really believe that, then I want you to know that I listen to you. But here's the other key, is you also need to listen to me. We need to listen to each other. We need to be unafraid of each other. We need to not cancel each other because of the disagreement. There have been so many things that you have said, Whoopi Goldberg, that I could simply say she should be removed. She should be silenced. But that's not the American way. I can disagree with 99% of the things that you say and also honor and recognize that you are a voice in this nation. And I can give you my reasons why I disagree with you. And I shouldn't be canceled for those reasons. We have the longest running and most successful democracy in the history of the world. It is the greatest privilege to be an American citizen and to grow up here and have my children raised here. And our founding fathers understood, perhaps supernaturally, culture, and a healthy society. And why would we want to move away from this? So that we can become more like France? Come on, people. This is their fifth attempt. Since we've had our Declaration of Independence, this is France's fifth attempt at a republic. (laughs) And we want to become more like them? Come on, we are sitting in the place of the most remarkable democracy that's ever been on this planet. And we can't let a few determine what is acceptable, but we need discussion to come as a collective to find out what is best. And this is key because this is cultural. Not only best for us, but also for our children. You've heard me recite the definition of culture many times already, but here it is. The sum total ways of living 
passed down from generation to generation. It's the ways that we live, but also what we pass to the next generation. So Donald Trump went on to say, we declare that the United States of America is the most just and acceptable nation, (laughs) the most just and exceptional nation ever to exist on earth. We are proud of the fact that our country was founded on Judeo-Christian principles, and we understand that these values have dramatically advanced the cause of peace and justice throughout the world. And we know that the American family is the bedrock of American life. President Trump, I agree with that 100%. I not only believe it, but I want to spend 25 minutes with you every week to prove it. The Judeo-Christian principles, when they are followed, are the most powerful, balanced, equitable, charitable ways of living. It has to be because it's his way. It's his way. And it's the best way. Not just because I'm a Christian, but because his ways are higher than our ways. No person is perfect. No country is perfect. But I know someone who is. And his ways are higher than our ways. So let's incline our ear towards heaven. Let's celebrate our country with all of its imperfections, with all of its warts, with all of its problems. And let's make it better. If I thought that kneeling during the national anthem would help, then I would say, go for it. But I don't think it does. I think it creates more division. I think we can celebrate our country and still work on its problems. If I thought that tearing down Christopher Columbus would help our racial relationships, then I would say, do it. But I don't think it does. I think it creates division and more anger and more riotous living. What changes, what needs to change is our hearts. Is our hearts. I think Morgan Freeman may be pressed on something. It's the attitude, it's the way that we talk to each other. Let's not work towards division, let's work towards healing and reconciliation. But at the same time, knowing who we are, knowing whose we are, knowing that his ways are higher than our ways. We can take it to the bank, my friends. So let's incline our ear towards heaven and let's go together and set and shape the culture.